When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated website ladieswholondon.com which we fail to update um, to learn more about <laughs> us and the blue badge and what the all that stuff is. Yes, there we go. Hooray! Can you believe we've nearly said this opening little speech a hundred times? Not, I mean, not well, but yes. <laughs> and probably, yeah, about four times we, we've done it as it should be. Yeah, I know. Oh, we are the worst. We are the worst. Flipping heck, it's hot. It's so sweaty. My face literally fell on the floor earlier. Literally fell on the floor. Literally fell on the floor. I was like, what's that? Oh, it's my face. (laughs) It's so sweaty. How are you coping in heat? Um, Well, I'm not, is the the short answer. Um, I I have spent most of the last couple of days, where possible, um, in my paddling pool. Which, but it's only it's a paddling pool it's not it's not a pool so i can only ever really keep half of my body cold at any given time so it's either sort of lying down or sitting um and then when i've been working just trying not to cry how about you yeah pretty much the same and my where i am is just so blooming hot i'm trying to keep calm and cool yeah such a mission and today she had to have um, some immunisations. Um, so I've been trying to keep her fever down whilst oh. roasting in like 40 degree heat. Oh, poor little pumpkin. So, yeah, well, she's fine. But, you know, we're both just, you know, ron- wandering around in our pants um, yeah. trying to survive. But, but yeah. It's relatable. Yeah. yeah. I have been mostly more unclothed than clothed the last two days. Mm. Which but is the a- sky's looking incredible. I was just taking some photos. We've got some rain coming, so Yay! it's incredibly angry. It's been like a big fireball, and now I think we're going to get some thunder. I love a bit of thunder. Love a bit, love of, a bit of thunder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we are through the sweat bucket. We hope of the the heat wave now. Um, bit scary though, hey, with all the wildfires and things, and you know, climate change coming really close to our door, I which know. is and very my sister scary. actually, she lives in Dagenham, which is to the east of London. Um, for those that don't know, and um, and yeah, she was sending me these videos of uh, 
these houses that just caught on fire yeah. which were down her street there was one to the left and one down to the, the right like it just looked like absolute carnage yeah scary huh scary yeah. times scary times scary times yeah but <laughs> let's let's cheer ourselves up with some uh, some chat about London instead which yeah. might be burned down by tomorrow who knows yes who knows but anyway what did we chat about last week well last week we chatted about the 40 elephants which i have to say i think was one of my favorite episodes for a while it was so much fun to research and and talk about i mean what a, what an amazing bunch of women um just the gumption of them all i loved just the this this group of women who just thought ah stuff it let's go and rob places while looking fabulous and um yeah yeah amazing. i loved it too and i have to say when i got into bed i was thinking about it and i thought you know, I was very kind of like, yeah, go on, ladies. And I thought, you know, if you if you told me that the 40 elephants were a group of men, I was trying to think, would I act the same way? And I know it sounds really bad, but I don't think I would. Oh, you're yeah, terrible misandrist you are. I know, I know. But the, the fact that they were kind of roaming around in their dresses and looking really kind of, you know... Um, quite well to do but at the same time have this kind of gritted teeth attitude it's quite an of, image isn't it yeah yeah I just had an image you painted the image of her so well of baby face this little kind of five foot woman who was just <laughs> looked very meek and mild but was incredibly aggressive yeah like a little kind of terrier <laughs> yeah so podcast pedestal last week we probably should have picked Babyface. I don't know why neither of us did, actually. We did, um, actually. No, well, sorry. Oh, oh. Have you got other places to be, have you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the options were, um, uh, I picked the Lambeth Riots, which were all about this lady who had married sort of outside the the, the gang. And, well, Diamond, uh, Alice, Diamond, Alice, Alice Diamond did not take kindly to that. And, and down they went and, um, uh, well, beat her new husband to, to a pulp by the sounds of it. And you didn't go that way. You went for the rules, didn't you? Which was kind of linked. I, I went for the rules because you gave it this kind of like fight club vibe. <laughs> and the rules were very much needed because there were so many of them. You know, anyone could have spilled the beans or been married to somebody that could have spilled the beans. And, you know, having those severe rules, which mm. were a little bit pimpish as well, which I know, again, if it was just men, I'd be quite angry. But... <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible, but I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> it's so bad. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, those rules, you could have broken them, but I think you'd have ended up kneecapless uh, mm. by the sounds of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so those, those are the options. I don't think I made a particularly brilliant choice. I sort of went away going, I think I probably should have picked something else. And actually, thinking about it now, I probably should have picked Babyface um, because I completely lost an absolutely landslide. It was about 84% to you and the rest, like the... <gasps> meager well, little dribble I mean, of votes for me <laughs> my mouth is opening wide but hashtag not shocked um <laughs> when i saw my results rolling i thought ah, whatever okay i might have this one but whatever. honestly alex you've got to up your game my darling i know and i keep forgetting to post it to my actual instagram so um i'm just relying on on which you know you're you're biased they're a biased bunch on your side there'll be a biased bunch yeah, on my side so. mine. <laughs> um yeah so there we go congratulations on a on a fantastic win thanks thanks so much so which uh thrilling topic are we doing this week are you saying that because you're not actually thrilled no i am very thrilled about it. I, I just, it was it was it was your your partner's attitude when you said it he was a bit like oh wasn't he no he was into the battersea oh he was but he wasn't so 
so into another choice that I was going to make. Ah. Uh, which was... Which uh, we cut out of the... Of, yeah. on, an, on another... Oh, that was it. She suggested one and, and her, her partner went, oh, really? <laughs> so she's like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna switch it. So, Battersea so, Power Station, yes. yay! Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Battersea Power Station. And it's one of those buildings that people generally have a feeling or a connection to because it's such a big iconic feature mm. on the skyline is it a building that you love i mean i absolutely love it it's a, it, it is a really gorgeous building and i it's yeah i mean iconic is always an overused word isn't it but i think it is one of those iconic buildings but i don't have too much of a personal connection to it i've never lived anywhere near it mm. so and i've never I haven't really been there that much so i know it through the format of films and tv and just generally in a sort of guiding sense but it's not one that i've yeah, ever really sort of engaged with too much. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm interested to know more. Yeah, nice. Well, the area is changing dramatically. And I will mm. tell you kind of what Battersea Power Station is beginning to look like and the area and, and what's happening there. Um, but I really want to go back in time to the early 20th century. And I want to start with a quote. Okay. It will kill everything within two miles of Battersea, rot all the buildings and bleach all the babies. Bleach all the babies. Bleach all the babies. Why would? Oh, because it's a because it's a power station. Oh, I see. So they're getting their knickers in a twist. Yeah, I mean, this is you know quite a dramatic quote, and this is <laughs> yeah. from a Conservative MP at the time. He was called Edward Hilton, and he was a future Minister of Health. Okay. And he, along with a lot of people, were just really worried about what this gigantic power station was going to do to people's health, was going to do to the nearby parks, even potentially damage the artwork in the nearby galleries. Right. And a lot of people didn't really know what it was going to look like. They didn't give that much in the way of images in the press or, or what it was going to look like on the actual skyline itself so oh, i think people were a little so bit worried it was under wraps a bit yeah yeah wow. um and during this that's time, not, i mean that's not going to make give anybody confidence is it yeah it's going to happen but we're not going to show you what it's going to look like that i mean that's not going to inspire anybody to have any faith in the project yeah exactly but then again to be honest i don't know if if they did show what it currently looks like i don't know if the perception would be that they would have loved it. I don't yeah, know if maybe. it's a building that we've had for such a long time now that it's a permanent feature and mm. we begin to love it. Yeah, maybe. That that could be yeah. They maybe yeah. played a played a <laughs> yeah, a good one that on that one. Yeah, because I guess the shard, that was a little bit hated initially, wasn't it? And now it's Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Which I actually quite like the shard compared to some other modern buildings but i digress but anyway so in the 1920s the population is starting to really climb up so more electricity is needed and during this time electricity was supplied by smaller private power stations Um, and because of this they were hugely competing with each other and the rates of electricity just kept on getting higher and higher and it just ended up being really crazy that feels familiar it does, isn't it? And this is, you know, a massive topic at the moment in terms of, at this point, they decided to have electricity kind of being nationalised. Mm. So before you had all of these different companies and they could do whatever they wanted, you know, within each company. But it was decided that they needed um, electricity to be publicly owned and for it to be right. underneath a single and unified system. And at the moment, I guess it's kind of the opposite where 
again, it's just getting out of control with the rates, <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that. Yes. <laughs> let's not get political. No, let's not get political. Um, and one condition was that its emissions were to be treated to ensure that they were clean and smokeless. So mm. they knew that there okay. was going to be these uh, chimneys, which, of course, are so iconic to Battersea Power Station, these huge four cream-coloured chimneys, which you see from so many buildings and so many places around London. So um, they didn't want so much smoke bellowing and mm. releasing too many gases. So the idea was that it was clean and smokeless. And I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I do know that they created this groundbreaking gas washing technology that really basically yeah it kind of um eliminated sulfur um mm. the daily Ter- telegraph phrased it as the ogre was taught to swallow its own smoke <laughs> dramatic okay it is isn't it you know <laughs> good old shrek i, I mean <laughs> poor shrek um, and in terms of its placement it's right on the river so it's right next to Battersea Park itself it's opposite Chelsea being next to the Thames um, was great because they use the Thames for cooling the water Um, you could easily have coal deliveries come down the river it's got a good proximity to central London which is the area that they wanted to provide electricity to Mm And when, you know, it came out that they said, okay, we will, we'll look after public health, we'll look after the area, we'll make sure... Good of them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We'll make sure that we're not, you know, putting out too many hazardous gases and all that kind of thing. And they introduced one of their main designers, an engineer called Leonard Pierce. And people hadn't really heard of good old Leonard Pierce so not sure uh, i've heard of good old lena pierce to be honest no i don't think i have either (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they decided to get in somebody that people felt confident with somebody whose name would have been going around in the early 20th century and this is sir giles gilbert scott ah gotty boy ggs all sorts of things in london such as the red telephone box Mm -hmm. um the bankside power station which people would have been aware of just now Um, the tate modern yeah, which is now the Tate Modern. Um, what else? Waterloo Bridge. A whole host of different things. Yeah. Um, so he went on board with Leonard Pierce. So Leonard, you know, wasn't completely pushed to the side, but he kind of teamed up with Gilbert Scott. And Scott was the one that designed the exterior that we know of today, this kind of brick cathedral style. Um, and it's kind of like, I guess... It is a little bit like a big church or a big cathedral, but instead mm. of having these spires, you have these four chimneys. Yeah. Um, and today we think of it as having as having four, but for quite some time you just had two. Oh, really? So it was kind of cut in half. You had Station A, which was the western pair of the chimneys. This came about first and was first opened in 1829. And inside, it was very much Art Deco, sorry, 1929, should I say, and very much kind of Art Deco style. You had these bronze doors that you went through. Um, There was marble everywhere. Um, A lot of people kind of likened it to a Greek temple devoted to energy. You had terracotta and lots of little kind of details in the ironwork, which was created by a man called James Theodore Halliday. 
and it was um it was quite spectacular like to go in you wouldn't necessarily think that this is going to be supplying electricity to so much of london it's a bit like i mean we it's not George uh, Victorian, but the Victorians do this quite a lot, don't they? In terms of they make something useful, but they make it beautiful as well. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be, you know, the way that we do it today is almost kind of like it, it's, it has a function. Therefore, it's just going to, we're just going to make it and it's going to be simple and whatever. But the Victorians were always like, right, no, just because it's got a function doesn't mean it can't be beautiful. And you see things like, well, you know, market buildings and the, um, the, the sewage pumping places and all that sort of thing. And, and then this, of course, is not Victorian, but it's it's coming hot on the heels of that. So I love that that thing of making it, you know, beautiful, even though it doesn't need to be, but it is anyway. Yeah, exactly, because this wouldn't have been open to members of the public. It wasn't like in the middle turbine hall, you had a bit of a lobby where you could sit down and get a cup of coffee or something. The, the beautiful marble and the walls and the art deco details that was going to be viewed by the workers that were going in there every day, putting mm. on their hard hats and doing all the things that they needed to do to power electricity around. So, yeah, I agree. It's, um, yeah, it's really nice that they put in those sort of details and efforts. Yeah. So by 1933, you've got half of the station as we know it today. So, as I say, it's called Station A, the western side, um, is starting to supply electricity around London, including the Houses of Parliament and also Buckingham Palace. Um, and oh, really? In, it, it, it charged Buckingham Palace up, did it? Yeah, it did indeed. Hilarious. It did. Um, in the 1940s, we've obviously, you know, at this time, we're diving into World War Two, and it's said that the RAF pilots used the plumes of white vapour that would come from the chimneys to guide them home in the mist. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, and it's also believed that the Luftwaffe didn't bomb Battersea Power Station, which they absolutely could have because it's such a beast of a building, you know, you could easily Mm. hit it. Um, And to knock out the electricity supply probably would have been a pretty good move. It's a no-brainer. But the Luftwaffe were involved in the Baidecker raids where they were basically bombing various places around the country that had more than three stars in this particular guidebook. And we think that they kept the Battersea Power Station because it was so big and they could see it and they knew that in that direction you've got the River Thames there and then past that they're moving towards places which they are going to bomb. So that's just quite a useful little staging post for them. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a few places like that around England. Salisbury Cathedral, the area of Salisbury was kept even though it had mm. three stars, I think, in the Bidecker Guidebook because the, the, uh, the cathedral is so tall. Yeah, and also I think Bath was kept as well, wasn't it? And a few places that weren't... Um, that weren't really bombed, yeah. Yeah. So, um, after World War Two, eventually we have the B station. Um, not until the 1950s, actually. So you've only got half of Battersea Power Station as we know it today that would have been there from the late 1920s, started operating electricity in 1933, and then around the 1950s, you've got the second part. So it's like a building that is absolutely cut in two. Because even though they both end up doing the same thing, you've got different workers going into each different side. And I don't think really the two ever crossed over. So it was two very right. separate stations. Um, I've got some numbers for you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Bring on the numbers. Okay, so it's generating capacity. It was up to 509 megawatts making it the third largest generating site in the UK at the time. So this is crazy. And this is in the 1950s as well. So 
providing a fifth of London's electricity needs. A fifth. Wow, that's enormous. That is yeah. really quite something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if anyone out there knows, London's quite big. Yeah, yeah. And um, you had, so you had Battersea, and then around London you had 28 smaller stations. And if you put all of the 28 stations together, Battersea Power Station was bigger. They say really? that you that, could, in terms of in terms of size or output in, in or, or both. Size. In terms of size and also what it's given off, it was producing four hundred thousand kilowatts of electricity. That's so a I lot. Think, yeah. So I think in terms of mass, it's producing more, but also mass in terms of scale, I think it's also bigger. Right. Okay. Um, they also say that you could have fitted. I mean, I guess you still could today. St Paul's Cathedral in the middle. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. That's that's yeah. a. I mean, it doesn't look that big from the outside, but I guess you know someone's done the maths on that. Yeah, and it would have been very dangerous because you know you've got a lot of hot oil in there, you've got metal, so it was um, known to have quite a few fires, and one was quite a famous fire that started, and it actually um, kind of tore out a lot of the electric around London, and on this particular night. BBC Two were launching um, for the very first time. And in terms of the advertisement for this, yeah, it was massive because BBC Two was the first channel to be broadcast in colour as well. So, you know, they're all getting geared up. Everybody's at home excited that there's going to be another channel. Oh, my God. And one in colour as well. (laughs) Yeah. And you've got this anchorman, Gerald Pressland, who's basically battling in darkness <laughs> and um and can't can't broadcast until the following morning when oh eventually- that is heartbreaking yeah um yeah and this was a problem because um well it was a problem because of a fire a little fire that had started in an underground cable tunnel in the station um and after this actually the fire brigade were kind of told that if there's a tiny little fire if you hit any kind of fire at battersea power station it is grade a emergency it's go 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 oh really you know if it starts to kind of attack other areas then god knows what kind of issues people want to watch eastenders gang come on i mean you know um yeah, so it was quite quite a scary place. And whilst it was in operation, you did actually have, um, well, they say over 200 non-fatal accidents on the site. Oh, that feels yeah. like more than there should be. Yeah, and I guess in terms of health and safety, um, it's quite different back then. You could probably get away with, you know, putting your, putting your arm close to all sorts of different turbines and all sorts of massive bits of machinery. Yeah, not for me, thank you. No, no, thank you. Anyway, it was known as the Cathedral of Power. Um, It burned 4,000 tonnes of coal a week. It turned water to steam. You had these massive turbine blades. And I, I imagine it to have the same kind of feel as the turbine hall in the Tate Modern, yeah. which now, having everything out, is such a huge space. It really is cathedral-like, isn't it? You you look at it from the outside, you think, oh, that's big, and you go inside, and you just can't believe the space that's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The size yeah. of the turbine just must have been, I mean, off the scale. Yeah. And people were excited by the building, and a lot of people wanted to work there. And this was what, you know, a lot of people kind of got on the side of it, because it was going to make so many more jobs. Mm. 
And there was a journalist called David Masters, and he said he likened it to um, quiet competence and was Ooh. very um, excited by how happy the engineers were at work. <laughs> and he said that their spirit um, inspires that of a, a crew on a battleship. Oh. Um, yeah, so... It's very dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite dramatic, but... I, when I read that, I was kind of thinking back to the um, biscuit factory and how I think a lot of people in the Bermondsey biscuit factory were really proud to work there. Mm. And I imagine that if you did work at Battersea Power Station and you told somebody, you know, you'd have been like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, at Battersea Power I'm Station. Battersea Power Station. I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the Peak Green's biscuit factory, baby. <laughs> it's exactly the same, Alex. Just go yeah. with me. <laughs> um, so... Uh, when we hit kind of the 1950s it's basically at its peak and a few you mentioned that a few things were kind of filmed around Battersea Power Station and while it was going we had the um the film uh called Help the Beatles film in 1965 mm-hmm. that was filmed there well I didn't think I knew anyway. that actually um oh have you not no I don't think I knew that bit Oh, are you a Beatles fan? Yeah, I am a Beatles fan. I mean, not not in an obsessive way. I'm a sort of, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm as much of a Beatles fan as, as anybody is. But um, but yeah. Mm. Um, and in 1977, you have the iconic pink inflatable pig. Yeah. It was tethered to one of the southern chimneys, um, and of course appears on the front album cover. The animals, um, Pink Floyd. Yeah. 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 And the best and, bit about that, you you know about the about what happened to it? It flying away. Yeah. So yeah, it so got it, loose. It, it, it attached to one of the chimneys, and apparently it kind of lost its mooring and rose yeah. in the direction to the flight path of Heathrow. Yeah. yeah, I think they found it in Kent. Was it something like that? Yeah, something and everyone like was sort of yeah, saw this, this massive, massive inflatable pig just flying over London. Yeah, yeah, genius. Now it did end up closing, as we know. Um, and it the is the power time. station not the pig uh, well the both <laughs> um but the power station so in the late 70s there were concerns about public health air quality pollution how dirty burning coal can be etc cetera, etc cetera. so in 1975 station a was shut down and then a little bit later in 1983 station b so I just love the fact that it's in two parts and they kind of probably had their own control room and their own mm. decisions about things, even yeah, though you certainly. see it as just this one big force to be reckoned with, but these two two different stations inside. Um, in 1980, it was given a listing, grade two, mm-hmm. which is great, but there are problems that come with being listed because yeah. if it's listed, then every step should be made to pretty much look after it and that's fine but if you don't have the financial backing for that Mm. then that presents a real problem and there's a lot of a lot of things that will be listed but there just isn't the funding to look after it and this is the problem here because it was going to cost 20 million pounds to preserve it that much oh my goodness yes yeah so they thought right what we'll do is we'll put out a competition and they asked people to come up with ideas 
to turn Battersea Power Station into something. And their idea was that nobody is going to come up with anything that the government is going to be happy with. And then they will see that £20 million to preserve it is just ridiculous. And then hopefully we can get it delisted and then we can put it up for demolition. Oh, they were planning actually to, to, to get rid of it. Get rid oh my of the whole entire thing, yeah. But the competition inspired so many people. <laughs> and um, it inspired one man in particular, and he was called David Roach. And he wanted to basically turn Battersea Power Station into a massive theme park. And he got John Broom involved. Does that name mean anything to you? John Broom? Um... I don't think so, but I do like the sound of this as a, as a theme park, I have to say. Yes. So John Broom was responsible for Alton Towers. Oh, that makes sense. No, yeah. I'd not heard of him. I have to say, I've never really looked into the history of Alton Towers, to be honest. Well, I mean, who has, Alex? Who has? <laughs> Somebody um, So he bought it for £1.5 million. And, um, and, and what year was this? This was in 1984. So in 1984, he basically says that it's going to take two years to complete. It's going to cost £30 million. Um, now, two years later, they only just managed to purchase the land from British Rail to use it for parking, just to park <laughs> the vehicles that they need in terms of the building work and blah, blah, blah. And then it's up to £50 million. One year later, they have only just got rid of the asbestos. We're now up to £170 million. Pounds, Are you serious? Honestly, to create... So he reckoned it was going to be £30 million to just to do everything? £30 million to strip it out clean, and they wanted to kind of put a roller coaster around the edge. <laughs> oh, seriously? That's amazing. Seriously, yeah. Um, they actually got Maggie Thatcher involved, and there, there's a documentary that I've watched where Margaret Thatcher is quite funny because she's talking, this aeroplane just goes over and cuts out pretty much everything she says. Um, but she's all for it, and she's talking about regeneration, and she's talking about, you know, um, fun for the area, and it's going to bring in new jobs, and all this kind thing victoria station was so into the idea that they were just going to use platform one solely for getting passengers to the theme park seriously seriously and they were going to be on what was known as bullet trains where they were going to darken all the windows so black everything out so when you got on this train you felt like you were going at crazy speeds oh that's you funny felt like you were already on a roller coaster making your way to battersea power station that's particularly hilarious when you consider the state of, of uh, railways in britain nothing ever goes <laughs> fast know. Can you imagine? Like if something happened, they blacked out all the windows and the electricity went out. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, oh, we're going really fast and we haven't actually moved, Jeff. Sorry, stop, <laughs> stop it. Oh dear. And there's um there's this clip on BBC where Broom is getting really excited by this talking tree attraction of this kind of like this this weird kind of nineteen eighties weird tree that is kind of like a like a robot on talking. And literally two months later, work stopped. Everything paused. He said it was because, you know, they were waiting for a bit more of um, uh, help with their finances. So basically they had no more money left. They'd run out of money. So it just became derelict. And this idea of a theme park was lost. So sad. I mean, that would have been pretty cool. Although quite weird to have a theme park slap back in in the city centre. I mean, that would have been quite... 
It would have been quite so mad. peculiar. I don't think it would have worked. I, I was just thinking that. I don't think it would have... I don't know. I feel like it wouldn't have been a roaring success because, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, there would have been kind of a theme park not too far away in where you had the pleasure gardens because you've got Vauxhall just up the road. Oh, yeah, of course. So I don't know yeah. if it was kind of like a, a link or a kind of like um, a nod in the direction to that, but bringing mm. it into the 20th century, I'm not sure. But, mm, but still. Yeah. Because nobody uh, really comes to London to go to a theme park, do they really, I suppose? No, but maybe they would have. Well, I don't know, maybe they would I mean, people go to Madame Tussauds and things like that, which aren't exactly historic, are they? So, yeah, maybe. Yeah. maybe. But I think it says a lot that it took a, a whole year just to get the asbestos out the building they must have thought oh my god this is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna be big um apparently michael jackson in 1997 he wanted to purchase the power station and turn it into some kind of self-contained fantasy center michael jackson for creating <laughs> yeah. something a bit mad surely not that's not a yeah, thing i know <sighs> Um, but so it was left alone for such a long time and it was kind of like I don't know there must have been so many investors and so many people just looked on it and thought the elephant in the room we've got to do something about Battery Power Station well that was always the thing wasn't it for years we would always say oh you know it's been it's been not much of anything for quite a long time and I I always sort of assumed it was just going to end up being left there to kind of crumble yeah. Um, even though it was listed, I just sort of thought, oh, no one's ever going to do anything with it. No. So now, I mean, I the last time I passed it on a coach, it was about two, three days ago. And I suddenly noticed all of the windows along the side. So you've got, you know, this huge brick building with these four chimneys Mm. and now along the sides you've got these massive windows so they have turned it into a residential block where you've got over 200 um, apartments inside and of course they are ridiculously expensive yeah yeah you know you're not you're not going to get the average person living in these (laughs) these apartments um but i have watched videos and the spec inside is obviously really really nice and it's a lot of it has still that kind of nod to the art deco uh, oh really oh that's nice yeah so when you go in you know you have these kind of iron gates and they've tried to utilize the original materials as much as they possibly can they might have changed it a little bit but they've tried to use the uh the original features um so yes, so you don't just have this huge building which has got so much history that's been turned into a residential space, but members of the public are going to be able to go into the centre, into the kind of like the turbine hall area. Oh, are we now? Yes, that's exciting. Be, yeah, this interactive exhibition which will basically tell you about the history of Battersea Power Station oh, and good. the area and the people. There's going to be videos um, of uh, workers a little bit like um, if you've been to the Tower Bridge exhibition and you mm-hmm. can watch these little video clips of previous workers and their experiences, something a bit like that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and it takes over Battersea Power Station and the land that the developers have been kind of taken over the past few years is 48 acres worth. Oh, wow. Really that's really huge. Yeah, for, especially for central London. You know, that's, a, that's some pretty prime real estate right there. 
Yeah, yeah. And about 50%, they say, is actually green. So about half of the space is being turned into places where you can sit and have picnics. At the moment, actually, you can go there and watch the um, uh, the kind of the outdoor cinema club, the, mm. the open air cinema experience, right. which is there for July and August. Oh, lovely. Um, so areas that the likes of you and I can go in and enjoy <laughs> as well. So you don't necessarily... The scum of London. <laughs> yeah. So you've got about 250 apartments inside Battersea Power Station. Um, but in total, that and the whole area, you've got about 4,000 new residential homes. And there is actually a proportion of those homes just next to Battersea Power Station that are affordable. <laughs> I mean, what they think is affordable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, interesting. So, so Emily, level with me now. Come on. What are we talking if we want to buy an apartment in Battersea Power Station? What are we looking at? What's so the So you're looking at about 16 million. <gasps> Excuse me? About 16 million. No, I heard. I just... Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That is 16 million. And what, what would that get you? Would that That's get you... That's 16, one six. Yeah, what would that get you? So you'd have a penthouse apartment. Oh, okay. That's all right. Um, and from what I saw on the little video, the kind of the roof above you opens up, but, and you kind of can step out onto your own little like lawn area. Just a bit so for 16 million. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. But... It's only, um, it was about, it was just under 1,000 square foot. It's not, is that massive? No, it's not. No, it's not massive, is it? No, it's not. I think where I am is like 850. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not big. So you've got the luxury. No, hang on, no. 850 square foot's a lot. Is it? I think you're probably 80 square foot. Oh my God, my 80. (laughs) feel like yeah i feel like the maths have got a bit wonk there <laughs> is that right because i thought oh my so god I, I, it's got to be hmm. bigger than my flat surely yeah no i think it is <laughs> i think it's yeah yeah okay let, let's woman googles how big are things <laughs> honestly <laughs> i yeah maybe you're right but anyway whilst you're having a, a lot i mean there's people shouting at us now going um, you're insane ladies, honestly this is the last episode so, we're ever going to listen to a, fa- um, a thousand square feet right a thousand square feet yeah i mean that's 92 square meters yeah that's that's how big oh here we go people also ask how big is a thousand square foot room brilliant a home or apartment that is a thousand square feet will have a spare a square area that generally measures 100 feet long by 100 feet wide yeah babe your flat isn't that big <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay, all right. So basically, these penthouses for sixty million—they're big. Because <laughs> I was like, "That's pretty small." Um, oh, so hang, no, hang on, hang on. Now I've confused myself. If a home is a thousand square feet, you can imagine two and two and a half two-car garages. Oh, yeah. So that is quite big. If it's two and a half thousand square feet, you can imagine a little less than half of a basketball court. Really? Right. I'm confused. Listeners, let us know. Let us is know. Is that big I mean, or I is that small? Really know how big. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's numbers. I'm not. I'm not good with numbers. Yeah. How many rooms would a thousand square feet? Be anyway, given? let's move on <laughs> to the lifts. So, the lifts. If what you did they do on this week's podcast? Next. They looked at Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you looked at them today, they are not the original. Um, Sorry, I'm not talking about lifts. I was going to talk about lifts. The chimney pots. <laughs> Sorry, I've really put you off your game now, haven't I? <laughs> you have. So the chimney pots. 
they're, they've actually been completely redone. So, oh, you mean the actual the chimneys on the outside? You mean the one? No, the the, the four big chimneys, four the four big four white ones, white yeah, circular chimneys that it's so iconic uh, for, or so you know, so known for. Um, they've actually all been taken down, and you've got identical ones in their place. And the only difference is that their concrete was not mixed using salty Thames water, which is what they did originally. Oh. And because of that, they had lots of problems with rust. So even though they are pretty much the same, um, in terms of the material and how they put them up, it's a little bit different. It's just not going to rust quite as much. No, but Probably one, a good thing. Um, it says opened in 2022, but it doesn't say exactly when. Um, I don't think it's open now, but you are going to be able to get into a lift in one of the chimneys and go right up to the top. Really? And there is a like a, a 360 view thing that you can, if you go to Battersea Power Station, you go to their homepage um, or you go to the Battersea Power Station lift, it will show you this 360 image of what it would look like if you're at the top of one of the chimney pots. Ooh. And it actually looks really cool. So when you get in the lift, it's a bit like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory lift. Oh no, really? You, you know, you zoom up and it's dark and you don't really know where you're going, but there is a glass roof. So you're looking towards the sky and then you shoot out and suddenly you can see Big Ben, the London Eye. You can see the area of Buckingham Palace, you know, get some fantastic views. So I think that needs to be an outing. Oh, that does need to be an outing. And I also think, actually, Emily, we should save up and buy ourselves an apartment in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. When we're I, probably I about... I did eight. hear a story about the apartments that, because they were... A lot of them were sold several years ago, kind of when I was training, actually, so to 2015, before the entire thing had been even completed. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And I heard... Right. I need to double check this, but I heard a rumour that at the the party, well, the, the day where they were sort of opening and showing people around, Elton John was playing, and that one of the apartments was sold for a million pounds. And this is very, like this is several years before they've even been completed. And that person then resold that apartment six months later for one and a half million pounds. And it hadn't oh. even been, yeah, hadn't even been started, let alone completed. Six months later? Six months later. Oh, my. So I think we might need a bit of Wonga. So actually, gang, we are going to start crowdfunding yes. um, for Alex and Emily's uh, Battersea, Battersea Power Station pad. Um, you can find us on Kickstarter and crowdfunding and all of them, and you will be allowed to come around for a cup of tea if you're lucky. Absolutely. All right. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a very good plan. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm going to end it there. Amazing. Thank you. I didn't know that much about um, Battersea Power Station. That's really fascinating. Um yeah, I'm excited about that lift. Oh, mate, me too. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Cannot wait. Well, there we go. Podcast Pedestal. Podcast Peddy. Uh, is that what, we, what we're uh, shortening it to <laughs> now? Um, Podcast Peddy, should you wish to call it that. Um, what are you going to go for, Em? I know what I'm going to go for. Oh, I'm going to go you? for the chimneys. Oh, okay. The chimneys. And why? Well, I think without the chimneys... Well, the smoke wouldn't come out. Well, the smoke wouldn't come out. It wouldn't be able to power the electricity. Um, I don't know. Maybe the building wouldn't have been as exciting as it is today. Like, I think it's those four chimney pots that when... Say, for instance, you're on the London Eye and you are looking out for them, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm going to go for the chimney pots. Interesting. Okay, good call, good call. Um... 
I, oh, I don't know. I'm not doing very well on my choices lately. Um, I wonder if I might go, boy, is this a bit silly? Pink Floyd's album cover with the, with the bright pink pig. No, I don't think that's silly because it's a very bold choice. Well, I, I think it's probably quite a sensible choice that they decided to go for the power station because they must have known that people would know instantly what that building was. So yeah. I think that's a pretty good choice. But I often find that on tours, when I talk about Battersea Power Station and I mention it and people look a bit blank and then I say, well, if you've ever seen the front cover of Animals and they all go, oh yeah, with the pig, that's it. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost like that's that's the image that you know of Battersea Power Station. Yeah. So whenever I think of it, I kind of think of it in the same, you know, link with with Pink Floyd in the same way that, when I talk about um, Isaac Newton in Westminster Abbey, I always talk about the Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon album cover as being the best uh, sort of memorial to him because it's the reflection of light, which is what he uh, he discovered. Um, so I don't, I don't, I'm not really a massive Pink Floyd fan, so I don't really know why I keep going down there uh, <laughs> down that route. But anyway, but I think I'm going to go for that because yeah, it, that it's that image that always sticks in your mind and people know it when you explain that that's the one with the, the pig and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. So yeah, that's me. I'm going modern for this one. Nice. So you're going for the Pink Floyd pig. Pink Floyd pig. And I am going for the chimneys. Fabulous. Yeah, those are your options this week, gang. Amazing. Cool. Right, any parish notices before we continue? Yes, actually. So, um, you know, I've been banging on about biscuits for weeks. Yes. So there's a few people that couldn't get on the original biscuit trip, which was the 17th of September. You know who you are. Um, so I've decided to go for another date as well, um, which is the 15th of October at 11 o'clock in the morning. And that is a Saturday. So how many spots have you got left on that? So, um, I've got two covered already, which means I've got 10 more spots. 10 more spots. Fabulous. And how many, what's, so it's 14 max, is it? 12 max. 12 max. Oh, don't forget you're going again, I would assume, are you? Am I going again too? (laughs) Yes. I forgot about me. So I've got (laughs) nine spots. Are you coming? Well, I'll come again. I'll come and meet people. Yeah, I'd be happy <laughs> Eight to. Eight spots. <laughs> Eight spots. Although, equally, we, if, if loads of people are really interested, we will forego our spots. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, because we will have been biscuited up by then. Um, fabulous. And also, reminder that um, our this is episode 96. The 100th episode is only a few weeks away. So please do come and... Um, uh, and join us for our live one. It doesn't cost anything. We just want to have a nice little celebration with, uh, with well, all of you lovely listeners. So please come along. It's um, just go to the website. You can download the link and well, down you, you sign up and then the link will be emailed the night before. Um, and then you can come and join us on Zoom. Yay! Yay. We've and got quite a few good people, people signed up already, so that's that's nice. Ooh. But we want to try and fill it out as much as we can. So please yes. pop along. And we will have stuff and things we're not going to tell you about just yet. The Wheel of Destiny. Fabulous. So, are you ready for me to spin the wheel? I am ready. I'm just trying to think, what have we done lately? So you've just done, we haven't done any, have we done people for a little while? Well, I did the 40 Um, elephants, it wasn't really, it was people but not person. I'm trying to think what I want. Have we done people for a while? I don't. I think we're pretty equal actually, aren't we? So I'm I'm happy to go for whatever. Let's let's see where it lands. Pimlico. Pimlico. Oh, that's a tricky one. Let me see. What have I got listed for Pimlico? Ooh. Okay, I've got a couple of interesting options here. Oh, I think I'm gonna go for one that I've been meaning to look at for a little while, but I haven't. 
I'm going to go for the 19th century garroting panic. Uh, what now? Yeah, you heard. The 19th century garroting panic. Garroting panic? Yes, garroting. If anyone doesn't know what garroting is, is... Alley, my street. Yeah, it's really goth guidey. We haven't done any goth guidey stuff for a while, actually. Yes, I'm into it. All right, fab. Well, that'll be next week. Um, Come along for a little bit of death and destruction and uh, all that kind of stuff. Fabulous. Great. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you so much for coming and listening, everybody. Uh, Stay safe, stay cool, uh, stay away from the wildfires, and we will see you next week, hopefully 10 degrees cooler, for uh, another episode of Ladies in London. Put that factor 50 on. Absolutely. All right. See you then, everybody. Bye. Bye.